If you have your Bibles with you, if you turn to Galatians 2 with me. Our vision, the reason why we're here, this church exists, is written on the front of your bulletin. We are a people loved by God. And we believe we've been placed here to be a blessing to Belfont and surrounding areas. Today, I'm going to talk about our vision. The next three Sundays, in fact, I'm going to preach through our vision. Today, I'm going to talk about being loved. And one of the ways that we experience love is in community. And so I encourage you all, on the 22nd of this month, we're going to have a potluck. Uh, we're going to, we're going to uh, worship together, and then we're going to fellowship together over food. I encourage you all to stay for that. But that's just one of the many ways that we experience love as a community and God's love for us. The passage I'm going to read to us today talks about that love and the power of that love to change us and to give us a new identity. Hear these words from Galatians 2, starting in verse 15. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So we also have believed in Jesus Christ in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. But if in my endeavor to be justified in Christ, We too are found to be sinners. Is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God. For if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. Let's pray. Lord, on the surface, these words can be really kind of confusing. And so we need your Holy Spirit to come and illuminate, light them up for us so that we see that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus alone. And that is all because you loved us first. So put that really deep in our hearts today. We pray these things. Amen. As I said, over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to be preaching through our vision A lot of times, visions start with what we are going to do. So visions can start on good, with good things too, right? Like we're going to glorify God, or we're going to serve the community, or we're going to bring the gospel to these people or those people. But Belfont Presbyterian Church does not start their vision with what we're going to do. It starts our vision with who we are. We are a people loved by God. 
Because we believe that creation, history, science, art, music, sports, and literature all point to the fact that there is a God. And we believe that the Bible is God's word to us. And in the Bible, it says that God is love. Therefore, anyone that believes in this God of the Bible is his child, his people, and they are loved. Our vision starts with identity. Who we are first and foremost, loved by God. And that is the most important thing because so many times we forget that, don't we? We forget that we are loved by God and we start telling ourselves other stories. We start telling ourselves other identities. When my children were little, they really wanted a dog. The older two really wanted a dog. And when we had our third child, they realized they were not getting a dog. But they did have a brother who could be treated like a dog. And my kids spent a lot of time brainwashing my uh, youngest son at the time, putting him on a leash, throwing things and making him go and get them, scampering on all fours, barking, licking. I even found him once drinking out of a bowl on the floor. The story they told him was that he was a little dog. One day I came home from work. And Miles scampered up to me on all fours and licked my leg. At the time, we lived in Florida, so I was wearing shorts, which was really unfortunate for him. (laughs) And I thought, oh, they must be playing again. And I looked around. But the other two weren't around. He was just acting like a dog. He thought he was a dog. The story we tell ourselves and the story we let others tell us can be really powerful, can't they? They can really shape what we believe about who God is and about who we are and about how we relate to other people. Today, there's this cultural moment, isn't there? A cultural moment about identity. But really, there are no such things as cultural moments, I don't believe. I believe they just happen again and again throughout history. Identity crisis has always been something we as humans have wrestled with. Because our deepest desire is to form our own identity. To let our jobs or let our families or let our friends or let our relationships, let our accomplishments, let our failures, let our ideologies, let our morals, let our values all shape our identity. And then when we get to choose our identity, then we can excuse behavior the way we treat other people. The passage I read to you from Galatians 2 is actually a response to an identity crisis that a follower of Jesus was having. The book of Galatians is written, it's actually a letter, it's written to a bunch of different churches and it's written by a guy named Paul. And Paul had an amazing experience with Jesus. You see that Paul was a very high-ranking official in the Jewish church at the time, and his job was to hunt down and get rid of followers of Jesus. He wanted to, in his words, destroy Christians. But Paul's identity as a morally righteous, law-abiding Pharisee and hater of Jesus, 
it didn't stop Jesus from saving him. And Jesus met Paul while Paul was on a business trip as he went to go and kill, find and kill and destroy and imprison Christians. Jesus found him and came to Paul in a vision. And Paul experienced a love, a deep, profound love that changed him to the core, changed him from the inside out completely. Many years later, Paul went, and you can read actually, the beginning of Galatians is his story. He went years later and he met with other men and women who believed in Jesus. And one of the men that he met is named Peter. Now, you might have heard of Peter because Peter was kind of an important person in the Bible because he's super passionate. Peter is the one who at the garden of... He's also very, very insecure. That same night, he denied even knowing Jesus three times. But of... And Jesus comes to him in love and shows the power of love that transformed Peter. Well, when Peter and Paul met, they, was, they were very excited about this mission they were on. And so they said to Paul, you go and preach to the Gentiles. And Peter said, now I'm going to go preach to the Jews. And we're going to tell them about this love of Jesus. Well, a few months later, Paul ran into Peter, and he realized that Peter was treating the Jews very differently than he was treating the Gentiles. What he was doing, he was hanging out with the Gentiles, and the minute some Jews showed up, he would go and hang out with the Jews. He was acting like a hypocrite. He had lost his identity in an all-powerful love, and now his identity was back in him being a Jew. And in fact, he went one step further and he told the Gentiles, actually, it's the gospel. You can believe in Jesus and you have to do all of these moral things. You have to complete the law. And if the the two together, Jesus plus the law, and you can be saved. And of course, that is wrong. And Paul calls him out on that. And he says, no, that's not true. It is actually Jesus plus nothing equals everything. And that is the passage that I read to you. It's Paul's response to Peter. It's calling him back. He's calling Peter back to the love of Christ that is free and that is rich and that is sufficient. And so Paul points out to Peter three things about how God's love shapes his identity. And Paul says it to us as well. Here are three things in this passage where God's love shapes who you are. The first is this, love speaks truth. The second thing we're going to see is that Jesus is enough. And the third thing is that Jesus' love makes you enough. The first thing, love speaks truth. The truth that love speaks is found in verse 15 of this passage where he says, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Now this can be a little bit confusing, but really Paul is building a case, but he starts off being a little bit sarcastic with Peter. You realize that Paul is speaking truth in love 
to Peter. The sarcasm he uses is the us and them statement. He says, we ourselves are Jews. We're not like those Gentiles. We're not sinners. What he's doing is he's pointing out the arrogance that Peter has. That Peter is thinking that he is better than a Gentile just because he is a Jew. Paul goes on to point out the truth that Peter is declaring is declared right before God, not because of anything that he does, not because of him keeping the law. He goes on, he says, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith. The truth that Jesus speaks in love to you and to me is this. You are not enough. That's a hard truth for us to swallow. You are not enough to save yourself. The love of Jesus speaks truth. A little further on in the Bible, in a book called Philippians, Paul talks about this idea that he's not enough. In Philippians 3, Paul writes down all of his accomplishments and advantages. And then, in the face of Jesus, he realizes all of this is rubbish. It means nothing. Because as hard as he tries, he would never be enough. The love that Jesus speaks, the truth that Jesus speaks, the truth is that your deepest fear is actually real. Paul's deepest fear that is, was that he was not going to be enough. That's why he kept the law. All of his law-keeping, all of his ethnic upbringing, all of his working and striving, that wouldn't be enough to earn God's love and approval. And the truth is, the truth that love speaks is that you also are not enough. Your works are not enough. Your good deeds are not enough. Your keeping the law is not enough because God demands perfection and you are not perfect. Love speaks truth. This is great illustration. You kids are going to love it. I want you to imagine, just imagine, I didn't really do this, okay? But just imagine, or maybe I did do it, we'll find out, that after this we go into the fellowship hall And there's brownies, and I have made a ton of brownies. In fact, I tripled the recipe, which means I had to have six eggs to do these brownies. And five of the eggs were perfect. But one of the eggs, well, when I cracked it, I mean, I almost gagged. It was disgusting. It was rotten. It was foul. It was green. Didn't really look like an egg. But you know what I did? I just mixed it in there anyway. I mean, it can't really hurt. Your high boys are like, yeah, I'm going to eat those brownies. Most of you will not eat those brownies because they're tainted, aren't they? There's something wrong with them. That's the same with us. There's something broken in us. And you all experience that. You all feel that. You all know that. And that is what Paul is saying here. Even your best efforts are tainted because your heart is rotten. Therefore, we can't justify ourselves. Justification means declared innocent. You can't stand before God and say, I declare myself innocent. Because you're not. Because you're rotten. Because there's something wrong with you. You are not enough. 
God speaks love to you. And love doesn't lie. Love speaks truth. The reality is, learning that you're not enough is a very hard lesson to learn. And honestly, it can really only be learned when you come to the end of yourself and the end of your identity. Some of you have heard this story before. And that's the great thing about planning a church. You can just tell the same stories over and over again. (laughs) Thanks. Um, The reality is, is that it's in your deep failure and disappointment in life is when you realize you're not enough. In 2013, I went for my ordination to become a pastor, and it was a pretty grueling and difficult thing. Cam Smith has also done it. He would know. It's hard. And this was after five years of seminary. And after those five years of seminary, I spent a lot of time, and I spent a lot of money, and I sacrificed my family on the altar of my success. And at the end of it, I had an identity. I had an undergrad degree, and I have two master's degrees. Look at me. And I took that exam, and within one hour of taking an oral exam, I failed. They told me, you have failed this exam. But it didn't stop there. They spent the next two hours telling me how and why I failed this exam. And then at the end of this, these four men who were examining me, they stood up. And they said, stand up. And I stood up. And they all hugged me. They all held me. And this is what they said to me. None of this matters. You are enough in Jesus. None of that matters. You are enough in Jesus. It's when you come to the end of yourself, when we realize the hard truth that love speaks, you are not enough. But Jesus is enough. That's my second point. Enough for what? Well, Jesus is enough to save you to the uttermost. I love that word, uttermost. Jesus is enough to take all your sins, all your evil thoughts and deeds, everything you have ever done, anything you are doing right now, and anything you're going to do. Jesus is enough to wash you whiter than snow. Jesus is enough that you don't ever have to worry whether you will be enough. That is what Paul says in verse 17 of this passage. He says this, but if I, if I endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too are found to be sinners. Is Christ then a servant of sin? What he's saying is this, If I say I'm a Christian, but I still sin, I still wrestle with my sin, does that mean that Jesus isn't strong enough to save me? He's not enough? And what does he say after? Certainly not. Because our salvation isn't hinged on whether we sin or whether we don't sin. Our salvation isn't hinged on anything we do. Our salvation hangs on a cross where all of your sins were nailed and you don't bear them anymore. All of your debt has been paid because Jesus, the son of God, is enough for you. 
And this is the gospel that we need to preach to ourselves every morning when you wake up and you say, does God love me? Is God for me? It's when you mess up and you've looked at that thing you shouldn't have looked at again. It's when you have acted out of anger again. It's when you are selfish again. It's when you pour that drink that you know you don't need again. It's when you spend hour after hour scrolling, trying to escape your life again. It's when you're sitting in your room crying and sad and grieving again that Jesus is enough. That is the gospel that we preach to ourselves. That is the gospel you will hear preached from this pulpit. This is why we are here, to preach the good news that we are a people loved by God. And because of that love, Jesus' love makes you enough. At the beginning of your bulletin, I wrote a couple of quotes. I found a couple of quotes and I put them in there. Some of them are great. Huey Lewis in the News. That's for my friend Travis. He loves Huey Lewis in the News. There's a great quote there by C.S. Lewis, though, where he talks about unselfish. And I want to stop because I want to make sure you know, when I say Jesus' love makes you enough, when Jesus comes to earth, he's not just being unselfish. He's not just saying, well, I'll go. Sure, I'll give up everything I've got here in heaven and I'll just go to these people, my creation. He doesn't just come out of self-denial. Even though Christ was unselfish and he did practice self-denial, that wasn't his motivation. His motivation was love. One of my favorite passages is from Hebrews 12, where it says that Christ despises the shame of the cross. And he counts it actually as joy because of you. The joy set before him, that's you. Christ makes, Christ's love makes you enough by taking all of your sin and giving you all of his righteousness This is what Paul says at the end of verse 20. He says, the son of God, that's who I live for now in faith because he loved me and gave himself for me. And this is why then he says earlier on, he says, this is why I am crucified with Christ. He's connected now with Christ in his death. He is now dead to sin and he's now alive in Christ. This love of Christ brings death to the old you. You're no longer the same self-centered, self-justifying, self-righteous person. That's the old identity. That's the old man. Paul is telling this to Peter and he's telling it to you. There's something new about you now. You're not justified. You're not declared innocent by your works, but by God's works. You were not enough. Now you are enough because you are in Christ. But what does that mean? What does that mean for you right now? Well, it means this. You're a work in progress. You haven't arrived yet. 
It means disappointment and failure, discouragement and doubt. Sin is still a part of your life. But now, all things are being worked together for your salvation. All things are being worked together to show you your new identity in Jesus as you are forgiven time and time again. To show you that Christ's love is for you and makes you enough. That's why we start our vision with the fact, the fact that we are a people loved by God. I want to apply this to our church just very quickly. The first is this. Being loved by God means that you live a life now marked by humility because we are saved by grace. And I want us to take this seriously, church. You know, Christ, Jesus, when he's here on earth, he talks very directly to the Pharisees and he tells them some very harsh things. And I think the church has for many years said that Jesus talks harshly to the Pharisees because he doesn't like them. I don't think that's the case at all. I think he has a deep love for the Pharisees. And he sees that the way that they are going, their self-righteousness, their pride, their arrogance is actually alienating them from God, not drawing them closer to God. We see this in Luke 7, where this beautiful picture where Jesus is invited to a dinner. And at the dinner, a prostitute comes in. And she is so moved by the heart of Christ that she washes his feet with her tears and anoints him with oil. And the Pharisees in the midst look down their noses at her. And Jesus says, don't you know that she's a sinner? Jesus points out that what she is doing is because she's been forgiven much. My friends, we are loved by God. We are forgiven by God. And those that have been forgiven much, Jesus says they love much. And that is humility. Church, do we see ourselves as the beggar whom the king has come to live with? Do we see ourselves as the truth that love speaks to us that we need Jesus? We have not arrived. We are no better than anyone else. The only difference between us and the world, the only difference is that we know where to find bread. And we need to tell them where to find bread as well. Second, being loved by God means trusting and obeying Jesus. The love that Christ has shown to us, the way he has saved us from not being enough, now means that we can obey. Faith is the key that unlocks the life of love. Putting your trust, not just in word, but in practice in Christ That he is the only way to eternal happiness and that obeying him is the only way to live. Faithful living is built upon the love of God toward us. We're going to come to the feast in a few moments. This is called for many years the agape feast. This is a love feast. At the table, we see love. And at this table, our faith is fed. Being loved by God means trusting God and then obeying him. Jesus says this, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And what are those commandments? To love God and to love others. The third thing and the last thing is this. Being loved by God 
means reminding one another that Christ is enough. Paul ends this part of the letter. He says this, I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose. God's love has saved you from the power and the penalty and the curse of sin, the crushing weight that no matter how hard we try, we can never save ourselves. But here's the thing. Living in this world, we keep going back there. We keep going back to the law. I have a friend who is a, who is a, a pastor in Nigeria, and Gideon came and spoke to my youth group once in Florida. And this is what I asked him to say, to speak on this topic. What's the value of friendship? And he said this, as a church, this is what we are to do to one another. When we see someone locked up in their sin, in their doubt, in their disappointment and discouragement, we have the key. That key is Jesus. And as we walk toward them and we preach the gospel to them, that Jesus Christ loves them and saves them, it frees them. And there's days that you are locked up and you are imprisoned in your doubt, in your sin, in your discouragement, in your grief. And you need someone to come to you and to unlock you from that prison. That in Christ, you are enough and he is big enough to save you. That is the good news that we are charged to preach at this church and to one another and to live out in this community that Jesus is enough and his love changes everything for you. How are you going to preach that to yourself this week so that you are ready to give the hope to those around you? Well, one place is at this table where we not only experience God's love for us, but we can encourage one another. So let's do that now. Let's come to the table. Let's pray. Lord God, your love is immense and free. Your love is boundless and its riches are unsearchable. Your love toward us, we see it so clearly at the cross where you yourself took on flesh and then died for us. Lord, your love is enough. Jesus, you didn't make a way for God to love us. You are the way that God loved us. And so let that love be a mark on this church. When people walk through these doors, they know that. They feel that. They experience that. But Lord, we need you to feed us in that. So as we come to the table now, feed us through your love. It's in your name we pray. Amen.